This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. You don't get an extra wedding present because your brother got killed. Well, now I know. Hello and welcome to Buff the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which is a show that I love. But I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. This week we watch season three, episode five of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Homecoming. As well as Gilmore Girls, 8 o'clock at the Oasis. These were kind of weird, Brian. These were both weird. I thought Buffy was weird, and then Gilmore Girls was like, yeah, I'm weird too. So what have we been up to, Brian? A lot. A lot. We just hung out with our friends. We had like three wine and cheese nights in a row, which is maybe too much cheese for you. Yeah, my body was like, we need a day off. It was my book club on Thursday, and then Friday we went out to a friend's house and played a board game, which we haven't done in forever. No. And then we had friends over on Saturday, and there was cheese at all of these. (laughs) (laughs) And there was wine in all of these. We only controlled the cheese at one of the events. We didn't expect cheese in the last event. No. The cheese was out of control. It tasted great, though. Yeah, all the cheeses were great. We recommend cheese. And Wingspan. Uh, We played that game. It was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Sometimes I had a hard time focusing, not because the game was bad, just because there were more people than could play at the party. So sometimes I was talking to those people and I wasn't focused on my eggs. Yeah, and there was like seven people at this apartment we were hanging out. That was like a crazy number for us. We both got the J&J vaccine, so I think we can only handle up to seven other people. We went to the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. Oh yeah, that was really nice. It's been a while since we recorded a podcast. We've done a lot of things. Yeah, we've done a ton of things. We saw the cherry blossoms. We saw the movie Underwater. We watched Eurovision Fire Saga. I finished The Circle, season two. You finished it in like two days. You gotta. So if anybody wants more info about any of those things, you know how to find us at Gilmore Slayer. That's right. All right, so let's talk about our shows. Okay. This week we started with Buffy. Stacey, can you tell us about Homecoming? Yeah. So this is about the homecoming dance, and it's their last homecoming dance, so the stakes are very high. Well, it might not be Oz's last. We don't know if he's going to be, like, held back again. Yeah, well, he's probably going to die this season, so. Right, right, right. Buffy and Cordelia are both running for homecoming queen. They both seem to have a lot to prove, but first they're going to have to prove that they can survive Slayer Fest 98, and uh, they do. Surprise. Spoilers for anyone who is watching the episode while they listen to the podcast. But also this episode just sets up a lot of other little things, which probably will be important down the road. So the episode opens with the gang debating whether or not they should get a limo for the homecoming dance. But Buffy seems kind of distracted. She doesn't want to talk about homecoming because Scott, remember him, the guy she's dating, hasn't asked her to homecoming. Does their relationship seem real to you? I feel like they try to sell it, but like I just don't buy it. He's just a dude. Because then he like shows up in the middle of this conversation and is like, oh, yeah, I kind of didn't think you'd want to go to homecoming because you're like too cool for that. What? No. So they kind of awkwardly decide to go together. And then they kiss. I guess they do that now. They yeah, weren't... it's just, it's so weird. But it turns out she was distracted because she's got to go check in on Angel. He's still hanging out at Spike's house. He's not tied up anymore. So apparently Buffy just like trusts him to not leave and kill anyone. Yeah, I would not. But she brings him like a little blood snack sack. Right. And that's how he's feeling. And he's like, well, it hurts less. <laughs> So uh, apparently he's in some kind of pain. I just, I feel like it's not okay to trust him. Like he did like save her in the last episode. But it also seems kind of messed up to chain him up if he is sort of himself. Right. But he's also like a psychopath murderer. 
So it like wouldn't be unbelievable for him to pretend he's good for like a while to yeah. hurt Buffy more, you yeah. know? Are you so, saying that's not what's happening though? I'm just saying that like maybe she shouldn't be trusting him so wholeheartedly. Sure. But we don't know that the door isn't locked, like, from the outside? I guess not. I don't know. It seems very open to me. Yeah. Wasn't that the whole selling point of the house? It was, like, very open and spacious. Yeah. Like, had a garden. Do you think he sleeps naked in the ground like Drusilla? Yeah. She tells him that she hasn't told Giles or anyone that he's back and that she's not going to. Angel's all like, Giles. Yeah. Like, the word Giles triggers something in him. Do you think he's, like, remembering that Giles exists or that he is remembering what he did to him? I'm guessing he's remembering what he did to Giles. Buffy's like, I'm going to keep helping you, though. But, like, also I'm moving on with my life. I'm dating this guy, Scott. He's, like, totally great. And Angel seems sad about this and then, like, weirdly grabs at her jacket. We had to figure out if this is his jacket that she always borrowed or, like, if he's like, I want to take off your clothes because that's something we used to do together. The only thing I can think is that he's looking for her necklace that he gave her in the first episode. It's like a cross. It's the same one that, like, burns him in season one where he kisses her. How did he give it to her? Well, it was, like, in a little thing. Mm. Like, a little one of those little boxes. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know. It was not clear what was happening here. But Buffy's like, no, we're not doing that weird jacket-touching stuff. Anyway, back to Scott. He's, like, pretty boring, but maybe that's what I need right now, you know? Someone I can count on. And then we do this weird new smash cut technique they're very fond of in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. To Scott breaking up with her. He's like, I don't think we should go to the dance together. You used to be cool and fun, and now you're, like, super depressed and weird, and I'm not really into that. And then we see that Buffy is being spied on by, like, the fucking Winklevoss twins. Yeah. It's just these, like, beefy twins. And the way it's, like, framed is, like, weirdly sexy, like, with the music. It's just, like, a shot of her walking slowly. And then this is all being fed via the cameras to some old man in a wheelchair and Mr. Trick, who's like, that's her. That's the target. So I guess he's the spike of this season. Like, he's going to be the villain every third episode or so. Right. Cut to City Hall. We finally get to meet the mayor. I assume this is him and it's not a lie. Yeah, I don't think he's like an important character, though. Okay, cool. And then there's this like quivering man that comes in to bring him some info about these German twin criminals that we saw. But the mayor is more concerned with how this piece of paper smells and how well the quivering man has washed his hands because there could be mayo under his fingernails. And germs. Yes. But he wants this quivering man to keep an eye on these twins and to let him know. Quivering man just sounds sexy for some reason. (laughs) I mean, he's not unattractive, but he's definitely like afraid of him. Yeah. He wants him to keep an eye on these twins and let him know if any other colorful characters come to town. So then it's school picture day. All the kids are getting their pictures taken. Willow whiffs hers hard. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Cordelia's eyeing up all of her competition for homecoming queen. She's super jealous of this one girl that's basically blonde her. And then this other girl she says is dumb, but I think she's just jealous of her because she actually looks like she could be in high school. Yeah, the other girls look appropriately aged. Especially the one. She looks like she could be 16. And Cordelia looks like she's taking her kids to picture day. (laughs) And then they realize that Buffy's going to miss Picture Day because she's in the library training with Faith. They also mentioned that she wasn't around on the day they announced Picture Day. And no one has spoken a word of it since, I guess. Nothing was sent home. So Cordelia's like, I'll tell Buffy. Don't worry about it. So Faith and Buffy are just fighting in the library, you know, during school. What if somebody comes in the library? Won't they be like, why are you punching this woman who doesn't go to our school? I mean, they don't know that she doesn't go to the school unless Snyder walks in, in which case that's a great question. (laughs) But still, like, go do that in, like, a gym or something. I mean, I don't know. I would be like, this is a little weird, but I don't know that I would be like, we got to report this to somebody. Anyway, Buffy's taking all of her Scott angst out on Faith. And Faith's like, yeah, that guy sucks. We could just go to the dance together. And Buffy agrees. But, like, can that happen? Is 
isn't Faith maybe older, like not high school age? I think she's like Buffy's age. Okay. She's just not going to school right now? I guess not. If she is older, though, it's like, unless you're dating them or they maybe used to go to the school, you can't just like bring a random adult to a dance. Right. It's true. Like, I went to a dance with my boyfriend that was in high school when I was in college. Like, I was a freshman in college and he was a senior. But, like, they knew me. She could go with, like, Jonathan or something. Buffy? No, Faith. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I've been shipping Jaith for a long time. Jaith? Yeah. Where are my Jaith heads? You out there? Jonathan and Faith? Has anyone ever even considered that? Jaith is, like... Okay, just wait. So Cordelia's about to go tell Buffy to go get her ass to the photo booth. But then she gets distracted by some guys she's trying to get votes from. Yeah, she's like in get vote mode. Like she's going to everyone being like, vote for me. Here's some stuff. Here's some stuff. I mean, I guess I did that when I ran for student council president, but like not to this extent. Not to the extent where you forgot to tell your friend it was picture day? (laughs) Yeah. Buffy still needs a glowing letter from a teacher, you might remember. She had like some stipulations she had to meet in order to stay in school, and that was one of them. So she approaches her favorite teacher, but this woman does not remember her at all, and this makes Buffy very sad. She goes into this whole existential crisis. She feels invisible. She's talking about how at her old school she was all the queens. The whole yearbook was about her, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, she was a freshman and sophomore at that school. She was really popular, though. I guess, but, like, you're not the prom queen when you're a freshman. I guess I agree with you, because I don't actually know. The way it worked in my school, at least, was that there'd be, like, a homecoming court where there would be, like, a freshman couple on the court, but the queen was chosen from the seniors. Mm. There wasn't, like, a queen of every grade. You think some schools might? Maybe, but I just don't buy that, like, a freshman girl would ever be the most popular girl in school. Right, I hear you. There's such a status thing between, like, seniors and freshmen in high school. If there was one from each grade, though, then that would make sense. Sure. I don't know that that is the case anywhere. I don't know that the whole yearbook would be about a freshman girl. But she and Kyle were so good together. You mean Tyler? Yeah, she was also really good with Tyler. Who's Kyle? (laughs) Just trying to remember the name of the guy. (laughs) And she's like, now I'm just going to be one eighth of one page of the yearbook. Were your yearbook pictures that big? There was like 30 kids on each page of my yearbook. Didn't the seniors get bigger pictures? Yeah, I still think we had like at least 12 seniors on a page. Yeah, I mean, that sounds right. But yeah, you're right. They're seniors. Anyway, Xander's like, uh, no, you won't be in the yearbook at all because you skip pictures. So Buffy's super pissed at Cordelia for not telling her. Again, this is a Joyce issue and not a Cordelia issue. Yes, Cordelia said she was going to tell her. And I know that they also set up that Buffy missed the day they announced it. But there's no way this isn't on, like, the school calendar or, like, some kind of note that went home. We talked about this. Your mom and my mom would have absolutely known when picture day was. You'd think that Willow would have been like, oh, man, I'm nervous about picture day tomorrow. What are we going to wear tomorrow, Buffy, for picture day? Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just not Cordelia's fault. Again, they are fighting, like, world-ending demons every other day. So, like, maybe they have more important conversations to have. Yeah. But, but... But Cordelia did make a point of saying, I'm going to go tell Buffy, and then we must assume she intentionally didn't? Well, she got distracted by the canvassing. Did she get distracted, or did she consciously decide to... No, she was about to go in the library, and then these two guys walk by. And she's like, oh, hey, I need your votes, by the way. Mm. Yeah, so Buffy's pissed. Yes. Cordelia sort of challenges her. Like, you could never win Homecoming Queen. And Buffy's like, oh, yeah, I could. And now I'm going to run. You've awakened the prom queen within. So the real monster of this episode are Buffy's inner demons. Mm-hmm. Like, really, this whole thing is about her sort of, like, dealing with her issues of not being able to be a regular student. More so than whatever other monsters we're about to meet. Then the episode becomes a lot like Heather's, where Buffy starts killing off all of Cordelia's, like, friends. No. Oh, I'm thinking 
beginning of a fever dream I had. Speaking of which, then we get maybe the weirdest scene I've ever seen in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what the mayor was on the lookout for when he said colorful characters. We got Mr. Trick rallying up his fucking Carmen San Diego gang of cronies. <laughs> Raise around the world. Where in the world is... Okay, we got Double Trouble. The Winklevoss twins are there. There's like just a regular dude with a gun and a bear trap. We've got Gorch again and his new wife, Candy Gorch. We've got Kulak of the Meekwat clan, who's just a dude that looks like a pineapple, and the wheelchair man. We, it's not clear what his relationship is with the twins. They seem to do the computer stuff that he's viewing. Yeah, he's going to do their point man. Anyway, Mr. Trick is amping these guys up for Slayer Fest 98. Yeah, this is that a Carmen Sandiego vibe. It also had like a Adam West Batman episode vibe, just like all these like colorful evil characters. Like, we've got a band together to destroy Batman. But they're not destroying Batman. They're destroying Faith and Buffy. Very eccentric, goofy scene. We should break down what the contest is. So the contest is Slayer Fest, which I guess you could do every year. Seems like they've maybe done it before. And uh, Mr. Trick has wrangled all these crazy Motley Crew individuals together and they all had to pay an entrance fee like a comedy festival contest and then Which only is one relatable to all of you yeah but only one of them, or maybe two of them, because they're suit slayers, are going to get or split that money. And nobody else is just out the money. So it's smart for Mr. Trick, right? Because he doesn't have to pay any money, and he gets to get his Slayer's Guild. Did you say Slayer's Guild? He's going to get into the Slayer's Guild, which he's been trying to for a long time. Right. Which I think is really supposed to be showcasing like Mr. Trick's like pragmatism, because they've sort of unsubtly suggested that he's smart. <laughs> I guess. Or at least that he likes like futuristic stuff. Yeah. I think this episode, though, it's got that, like, vibe, right? Every season's got that episode where it's, like, three or four different monsters were hired to kill Buffy. Yeah, this is that one? Yeah, and, like, season one, you had the trio, knife for a hand or something. And then in season two, you had those... The Tarakians, which, why don't we just do that again? Didn't work. And now we're just, like, anybody that he could find on Craigslist, I guess. It's a very weird scene. The tone of it felt like nothing I'd ever seen. It might have been because one man was yellow. Like, is he a demon? What? What is he? Yeah, he's obviously a demon. He's a colorful character. Yeah. So then we got Xander and Willow. During picture day, Willow has set up that she just does not know what to wear to this dance and that Xander needs to help her pick out an outfit to impress Oz. Why? It seems like a job for anyone but Xander. Why wouldn't Buffy help her? Yeah, or Cordelia or Oz. Yeah. Xander's the last choice. So they're at Willow's house. She's trying on different outfits behind like this screen. And the first few outfits she tries on are obviously not the right choice. They're like work attire. And Xander's there trying on his tux. Not sure why. It's what he's going to wear. You know, why put it all the way on? Yeah, that's weird. But they're both getting adorable. There's like weirdly romantic music playing that's like setting the mood for this scene. They're asking each other how far they've gone with their partners. Don't answer though. And then Willow comes out in a real dress and looks just stunning. And the whole vibe shifts. And Willow doesn't know if she can dance in this, so they better test it out. And then she doesn't remember if her, like, lips work, so they better test that out. (laughs) And they kiss. And then they freak out. They're like, oh, my God, this can't happen again. This was a fluke because of the clothes we're wearing. No more flukes. We can't do this. I have so many feelings about this. Yeah, I could tell you we were having feelings. It bothers me that they're getting together just because we set them up in two other relationships. So it's kind of like, why are we rocking that boat? It would have been nicer if the show had put in a little more legwork and setting the ground work for this i mean they've been sort of will they or won't they friends for a while for the whole time yes 
Yes, especially on Willow's side. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a problem with Willow. But with Xander, it's like he's got a beautiful girlfriend and he just like saw Willow in a dress and is like, oh, I've got to kiss her. A fine dress, too. Like she did look nice, but it wasn't like a va-va-voom. In the same token, I guess like he's like a horny teenager who doesn't know what he wants. So I, I guess I, I do get it. I th- I don't think it's unbelievable. No, and it was cute. Like you kind of wanted him to kiss once you heard that romantic song. Yeah, playing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that would have been a much different scene if there was no music. It would have felt silly. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we'll see. But also, it's just you feel bad for the two other characters. You feel bad for Oz and for Cordelia. I don't feel bad for Cordelia yet. She's too amped up in this episode. Well, she hasn't done anything wrong yet, though. She forgot to tell Buffy, but... She's kind of mean to Buffy in this episode. Anyway, Buffy is amping up her friends to help her with her campaign like it's a war. And everyone's a little awkward. We think it's because of what Xander and Willow just did. Like, they're sitting super far apart trying not to touch at all. She's got a giant, like, dry erase board that she's, like, put everyone's, like, weaknesses on and strengths, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, some of the weaknesses are, like, is ugly, acne. Stupid. It's like, what if, forget people coming in on your training. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> walks in on you like, Kathy's a dumb idiot. That could get you kicked out of school. Yeah. But then Cordelia comes in and sees all this. And it's awkward because it's then revealed that they're all already helping her. <clears throat> oh, no, Buffy. Giles shows up finally. I don't know where he's been this whole episode, but he's like, all of this seems pretty stupid. And Buffy's like, yeah, super stupid. And she shatters a glass bottle with her bare hands. (laughs) Then we get another weird smash cut to a montage. Have they done a montage in the show? I don't know. The montage is a combination of Buffy and Cordelia campaigning and the Carmen San Diego gang getting ready for Slayer Fest. Dude's testing out his bear trap. Yellow dude's testing out his knife arms. The twins are wrestling each other shirtless. Also not believable. It didn't look real. Looking more like they were stretching yeah. <laughs> aggressively at each other. Buffy's testing out this move where she pretends to drop her flyers to flirt with boys and get their votes, one being Scott. That was funny. She's given messy cupcakes to people who've clearly never eaten in public before. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this couple smashing cupcakes all over their face. You know, that would have been a good thing if, like, Xander, uh, if Willow had been eating the cupcake and got some, like, frosting on her nose. Calling back to that. Yeah, I, that would have been a great, like, oh, and, like, somehow it clicked for Xander or something. Mm-hmm. Cordelia comes along and, like, takes the cupcakes and gives them a whole, like, food basket and has a <laughs> yeah. little baggie to put the cupcakes in and throws them away. I thought all this was fun. Yeah, this was all cool. And then Buffy guilts Willow into showing her the database she's making of all Cordelia's constituents. But Buffy this whole time still being spied on by Double Trouble. And they overhear that Buffy and Faith are going to be the first ones getting picked up by the limo. What are these guys? They can't be muscle and tech. You got to be one or the other in crime land. Okay. Well, I think they're just the muscle and they're like wheelchair grandfather is the tech. He's not German though. Maybe they're adopted. I don't know how they're connected to him other than whatever they see goes to his computer. I think he met them one day. He's like, you are beautiful physical specimens with no brains. I can help you. (laughs) He's like, I am the mantis. That's a very funny deep cut for no one. Okay. The Mantis was like a 90s crime fighter show about a guy in a wheelchair who invented like sort of an Iron Man type suit. Doesn't matter. 
But Buffy finds out that Cordelia has been paying people to vote for her. And she also catches her trying to be a Star Trek nerd. That was funny. She's like, oh yeah, I've been doing the Vulcan death grip since I was four. And she's just poking people with her like Vulcan salute yeah. or whatever. And they get into another fight. They say all kinds of mean stuff together. So Xander and Willow again have another talk in Willow's bedroom. We're like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. There's this funny thing with them not really knowing if they're talking about Buffy and Cordelia or about their relationship because mm-hmm. like basically everything they're saying applies to both. So they're trying to figure out what to do about themselves and about Buffy and Cordelia. They feel like their kiss is just messing everything up. But they come up with this plan to only put Buffy and Cordelia in the limo. So they have 10 minutes to work out their problems alone, I guess. Yeah. Like, how long is this drive supposed to be? What is this scene with Willow and Xander, though, too? Right? Like, are you guys comfortable alone next to each other? Yeah. They could have talked at school. Like, Xander sits very close to her on on the bed. Yeah. So Buffy is getting in the limo, and she's surprised to see Cordelia in there instead of Faith. And there's a corsage for each of them, and then a little note from the friend saying that they're supposed to work things out. But the limo driver is a Winklevoss, and he doesn't take them to the dance. He takes them to the woods. When they get out, there's like a jigsaw you want to play a game TV with Mr. Trick on it, informing them that this is Slayer Fest and that they're going to be hunted. And they clearly think that Cordelia is Faith because of the information that they got. And then Cordelia delivers a line that was clearly like written for the trailer. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, how stupid are you people? She's a Slayer and I'm a homecoming queen. Next week on Buffy the (laughs) Vampire Slayer. We actually watched the trailer for this episode. I don't think it was in there. I don't know that it was in there. (laughs) He might have been. But they give them a bit of a head start. So they're just like running through the woods. And the first thing they run into is the the gunman. And Buffy steps right into his bear trap, but it somehow doesn't catch her. Like they show her foot pretty much getting in it. I think she like pulls it up really quick is the idea. Yeah. So she throws it at him and then he gets caught in another one, steals his gun. And then they get him to tell them like everything. (laughs) He just tells them everyone's name and their weapons and their relationships with each other. (laughs) Also, you should know the mayor's a threat. That's not for this episode, but down the road, keep an eye open. Okay, dude, that's enough information. We gotta go. At the dance, Xander and Willow are just miserable. They feel bad about what they've done. They're kind of alone together because Cordelia's not there and Oz is in the band. Faith is there, even without Buffy. Scott's dancing with some new girl all close already, so Faith goes up and, like, talks to Scott about some rash she made up to embarrass him. And then Giles just comes in and is like, we have to find Buffy. Something terrible's happened. Just kidding. I wanted to scare you. <laughs> that was funny. He looks so cute in his suit. I love Giles. And you didn't like Faith, and here she is being a friend. She's whatever. I didn't like her in that first episode. I didn't dislike her. I'm just like, I don't see what we're excited about here. Pretty much everything she's done has had to do with Scott. In the episode she was introduced, she was trying to steal Scott. Now she's like trying to defend Buffy's honor. Yeah, see? She's a friend now. Yeah, I mean, they seem cool. She just hasn't done much on her own yet. I'm sure she's got a role to play. Giles goes to try some snacks and hates them, so he says he's just going to go back to the library, but he wants to be there when Buffy wins. That's nice. It is. Buffy and Cordelia have found a safe house, but some of the weapons that dude just described would penetrate this house for sure. Yeah, she shuts the door and she's like, we'll be safe in here for a while. And it's like, um, you know you won't be. (laughs) They already just told you that two of them have grenade launchers, which they then use. Cordelia's freaking out and she's going to die, which, good call. (laughs) You should freak out about that now. She's never going to get to tell Xander that she loves him. And then she finds a spatula that she can use as a weapon and a phone. So they call Giles and leave a message letting him know they're in danger. This didn't really matter, actually, that they called. Yeah. 
I guess it does matter because the call is intercepted by the wheelchair man. So then they know to go to Giles, I guess. I guess so, yeah. But then they just have like a bunch of time to like talk out their problems. Cordelia's like, why do you need this? You're a slayer. That's cool enough. And Buffy's like, well, slaying's kind of my whole life. And I just like want one little thing that makes me normal. Proof that I was chosen for something other than this. I don't know. I don't really feel bad for Buffy. Like, I'd argue that's what Cordelia wants, too. Like, yeah. what's Cordelia's life going to be? She's just going to, like, you know, marry some rich guy and have a baby? Like, she wants to have this special memory, too. Yeah, Buffy is really like, I want to have my cake and eat it, too, here pretty hard. Buffy's life is not easy. I'm not saying that. Right. But it's a lot to be like, I want to be the slayer. I want to live. <laughs> And I also want to be homecoming queen. I want to be a regular girl, but not just a regular girl, a girl who wins homecoming. But Buffy's like saving the world, though. Like she's got something she can be proud of. Yes. Maybe she would argue she can't tell anyone about it. So it's like not a real accomplishment. But like, I don't know. I guess when you're like an 18 year old girl, being homecoming queen seems like the greatest achievement you'll ever have. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the show, we have to realize these are irrational teens, right? Yeah. Yeah. This just like didn't make me think, oh, yeah, Buffy does deserve it more than Cordelia. But then Pineapple Man busts in. I actually like this. Yeah? Yeah, when uh, Pineapple Man comes in, they fight. Cordelia's not much of a help. No, she's just like hitting him with a spatula. <laughs> then she gets the gun and like shoots past him. Buffy's trying to fight him with antlers that she found on the wall. Yeah. But yeah, she misses him with the gun and Buffy's like, uh, maybe use the spatula actually. But I thought it was funny because then the Winklevoss twins mm-hmm. shoot in their grenades like we 100% expected and Buffy and Cordelia jump out the window and then the yellow dude like tries to but his is boarded up. That was funny. So he gets destroyed in the, the explosion. I assume. I don't know what it takes to kill a pineapple man. Yeah, he might be fine. Gorge and his new wife are at the library. They've knocked out Giles. I don't understand why they didn't kill him. They should have killed him. It doesn't make sense they didn't. They know he's her watcher. They say that. He's not like bait for her to go there. They know she's going there. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't just get rid of him. Yeah, just for the fun of it. But they're stealing his weapons. His wife wants to kill Buffy as a wedding present to her husband for what happened to his brother? Yeah, I don't know. You don't get an extra wedding present because your brother got killed. Well, now I know. But the old man is tracking Buffy to the school. Meanwhile, Mr. Trick gets a knock on the door and some dudes like whisk him away. Buffy and Cordelia get to the school. Is the dance happening at the school? They're in the hallway and it's like very quiet. You think you'd hear dance music? I think it is. Is it at the bronze? I don't know. Maybe it's at the bronze. But like Giles, when he's at the dance, is like, I'm going to go back to the library, which I guess could mean back to the school. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of assumed he was just walking up and down the hall. I think it's at the school. I guess it could. Dances have been at the bronze. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. The gorges are waiting for them in the library. Cordelia gives the spatula to Buffy, which she then kills Candy with. Was it whittled or did she just like stick it in her? I think she just stuck it in real hard. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a steak. It just has to be anything made of wood. Yeah. Wood to the heart will kill you. Okay. And obviously Mr. Gorge is upset. Cordelia like tells him off. She's like, listen, we killed all your friends and your girlfriend. He's like, wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then she just like leans into the fact that they think she's a slayer Mm -hmm. and just gets him to leave. That's kind of what happened the first time. I buy it though because they already set up that he's not one to play around if he thinks the odds are not in his favor. Yeah. He's just not very confrontational. Yeah, because he's run away from Buffy twice now. (laughs) Giles wakes up. You're very lucky to be alive, Giles. But then they realize that their corsages were not from their friends. They were from the Winklevoss twins, and not in a romantic way. They were bugged. Buffy- I like the end. What? We really like you. <laughs> we really like you very much. Maybe you can go to the homecoming dance with us? These guns shoot darts of love. 
Buffy's like, I need wet toilet paper. Stat. Okay. So the twins are in the school. They're going to shoot them. And they're being like piloted by the old man in the wheelchair. He's like got eyes in their eyes. So Buffy runs down the hallway, somehow doesn't get shot by them, even though they're just like randomly shooting assault rifles at her. She goes into a classroom. One of them follows her in. And the old man's like, I have eyes on both of them. They're together. And then she throws the tracking devices at one of them in the classroom with her. And it sticks to his back. So then the guy in the hallway shoots at him and I don't know, I guess the other guy like freaks out and shoots through the wall and kills his brother. Yeah, I guess that's what happens. Yeah. That's what they get for using this weird VR instead of their eyes. Yeah, if they just used their eyes, they would have been fine. <laughs> like, what? how is this better that they're just, like, trusting this dude where to precisely shoot through a wall when they could just see her? Yeah. They can drive. They have eyes. Yeah, but they've never encountered toilet paper before, so. <laughs> but the old man thinks he won. Do we see him again? He's just alone in this random house now. I don't think we see him again. Okay. Maybe we do, but I don't think so. Buffy and Cordelia then show up at the dance, all dirty and torn. Just in time for the homecoming queen announcement. And the winner is... It's a tie! They both lost. (laughs) The other two girls won. It's a pretty fun switch. pretty funny. I really liked Buffy and Cordelia's, like, their synchronized eye roll. Yeah. They They both just, like, walk away. But turns out Mr. Trick was being brought in to meet the mayor, who knows he's a vampire, doesn't seem to care, knows about Slayerfest, thinks it's a great idea, and wants Mr. Trick to be on his team and offers him a moist towelette. He also says a bunch of stuff about children being the heart of the community and how they need to be controlled and rebellion needs to be dealt with. It's unclear what he wants to happen to children, um, but he's passionate about children. Well, he's got baby wipes, so that's nice. Does he want to eat kids? That's my guess. He's eating kids to stay young. I don't know. The mayor seems like a nice guy. Mm. Why? What's not nice about him? The way he made that shrivel man feel so shriveled. <laughs> okay. Um, that's the episode. Was it a good one, Brian? No, I don't think it was a good, great one. Uh, I don't think it was like embarrassingly bad or something, but it, it wasn't good. There was a lot going on. I don't know. It was it was fun, right? It was fun. It was fun. It was an episode that was like, hey, this was fun, but no, it wasn't like a wow, what a great episode. Like I I remembered it, but like barely. I mean, it was just like so many setup things. Like we're learning more about Mr. Trick. We're meeting the mayor. This Willow Xander thing seems yeah. like a bit yeah. of a nugget for something more to come. I mean, honestly, it's it what ruined it for me was just that scene where he's like introducing Slayer Fest. It seems so silly. And also the fact that the mayor sort of interrupted Slayer Fest. I guess he doesn't really see the importance of it. And Buffy and Cordelia's fight was just like, you guys are gonna get over this. It's yeah. Whatever. And that was so much of the episode is them being mean to each other. But I'm picking it apart. Overall, I, I do, I laughed. I thought I had funny scenes. Yeah. And yeah. it moved the season arc along. So I'm gonna say, yeah, it was a good episode. You already said it wasn't. Yeah, I'm changing my mind. I'm saying, yeah, it was a good episode. I don't think it was like a great episode, but no, it was a good one. But it was like a fun episode. Yeah. Okay. Where was Joyce? Definitely not reading her daughter's school planner. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charm. Oh no, Cassiano. Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened this week on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 3, Episode 5, Sight Unseen, after the manor is burglarized, Prue, Phoebe, and Piper become obsessed with learning more about the elusive evil force that is haunting them. Prue assumes it's demonic, but Daryl cautions them that there is a human evil as well. Okay, so... 
Obviously, they're being like spied on by a human force. I'm going to guess it's one of them wrinkle, the Winkle brothers. Oh. I think this is maybe a crossover. Yeah, I mean, unless Daryl's an idiot, he's probably right that it's a human. I don't know that that would be in the summary otherwise. Yeah, it's a weird thing in the summary. And Daryl was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl just keeps suggesting terrible ideas. Like every episode's like, but Daryl thinks it might be a gopher. Daryl, no. <laughs> Shut the hell up, Daryl. Okay, so it's probably a human. It's a new set of twins hired by the wheelchair guy from Buffett. A new set, but similar, same vibe. Same vibe. Totally same vibe. Dumb, kind of good with computers. Just jacked, dumb techies. (laughs) They refuse to use a gun with their eyes. Yeah. They trust the software, baby. Mm -hmm. Well, they're getting burglarized, too. Maybe the old man and his sexy twins know these girls are witches and they're trying to like find out about witchcraft to see if it's something they can get into. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. And they, uh, in this episode, they eventually get Prue uh, and they're going to get force her to tell them how to be a witch, but they find out that she's not a witch. Oof. So do you think they just give up then? Yeah. But I think it's like a big, like they got Prue and then they do a test. They have like a, a test that they do with their technology mm-hmm. to see if she's a witch. And it says, no, no witch. Right. It's just a computer that says witch or no witch. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is, is that Daryl sees this because Daryl's invisible. Oh, so Daryl now knows that Prue's not a witch? Daryl knows that she's not a witch. Oh. But I bet they don't deal with that in this episode. No, that's like sort of how it ends. Turns out, though, the girls were the dumb ones because they thought this was a ghost. Yeah. They thought something was haunting them and it was just like two hot twins in their house. Well, two hot twins with technology. Yeah. And I think the technology is why they don't get it because they're like, it seems like they can hear us when there's no one here. But they should know about people being invisible, too. Why don't they just suspect their invisible friend? Well, I would. they probably cast invisibility on invisible spell. Yeah, probably. Or like threw some paint around. Yeah. Yeah, like in Buffy. We recommend this one. It's one of the very few Buffy crossovers that they do in the show. All right. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. So then we watch Gilmore Girls. Brian, why don't you tell our friends about 8 O'Clock at the Oasis? So this episode is about Lorelai getting um, interested in a man and having to go through her mother to date this person and not being aware about how her actions on this date or interactions with this man will negatively affect her relationship with her mother and her mother's life. Also some other stuff, but that's the main story. All right. The episode has a much shorter intro than Buffy did this time. Way Mm. fewer locations, although there are still two. One is outside Luke's, one is inside Luke's. One is outside Luke's, one is inside Luke's, yeah. (laughs) They're walking into Luke's, and Luke's is very busy, and it's mainly because some parents are coming with their kids, and they just, like, won't leave. Yeah. Luke says this happens every Saturday, that this, like, group of parents comes in with their babies and makes a whole bunch of noise. And they only get, like, tea or something? Like, they don't get very much? Yeah. That's, like, dealing with kids as a server is isn't ideal it's part of the job whatever but then when he said that they don't order anything they just get two iced teas to go at the end like he should tell them they can't sit at tables yeah i mean i I agree that's bullshit it's possible he's exaggerating but lorelei says you're exaggerating and he says no yeah you're right yeah that's that's ridiculous because you're just taking up table where someone could come in and and eat like three tables yeah it's kind of funny though the dad brings out like a train and looks like that never works yeah the (laughs) choo-choo joe never works but then one of the women starts to breastfeed her 
baby. And then Luke, and then a little later, Jess, start just, like, freaking out. Like, this is too much for them. They might have to see the outside of a woman who they don't know's breast. She's not even facing them. Yeah. Like, yeah, later Jess comes down and sees it and goes back upstairs. Yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, like, like a vampire looking at the sun. He wouldn't have even been able to see the woman's boob. I know. This, like, just doesn't age well when he's like, go tell her to leave because you got the same parts. Yeah. I mean, I get Luke being uncomfortable, but it, it is a little dated. Well, cause specifically because he's like wants to tell her to leave for breastfeeding. Right, right, right. I feel like Lorelai and Rory are more just like amused by how ridiculous yeah. Luke is being. It is always uncomfortable, I feel like, and that's weird to say and, and maybe it won't always be. I feel like when someone breastfeeds in front of you, there's always that moment of like, oh, okay, your boob's coming out. Sure. I wish there was a way for this first moment not to be a little weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you don't kick someone out of a diner for it. Oh, Luke. Then we're at the inn where Emily calls. You always That's where Emily always calls. Mm-hmm. I want to say something else real quick. I feel like Lorelai looks great this whole episode. Like oh. I, I noticed that I just thought she looked great. There was I, a couple times I, I thought she looked great. I don't know if it was her makeup or her hair. But I was just like, oh, you look really good in this episode. So Emily calls, and when Lorelai answers just like, hello, her mom's like, you should identify yourself. Lorelai's like, major disappointment speaking. And <laughs> Emily's just like, yep, that does it. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Emily's uh, pretty funny on this phone call. Emily and Richard are pretty funny in this whole episode. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But she invites Lorelai to the Society Matrons League auction. I, I don't know what any of that is. I know what an auction is. A society is, um, <laughs> Lorelai's going to go. Yes. Lorelai agrees to go. Emily convinces her it would be a good idea because they could get furniture for the inn. Michelle overhears this and just starts like begging to go. He's like desperate to go. He loves auctions. It's very out of character for Michelle, right? Just for him to like beg for anything. Lorelai's like, okay, you can do it. But then she lists like 15 things that are too many. Like one of these things would be definitely enough. Things she wants him to do in order to go to yeah, the auction. Yeah, it's like uh, you got to come in on weekends. You got to be nice to people and you got to go on a nature hike. And he just agree- he's like desperate to go to this. Yeah, she says you have to let him give you like a woods a nature name or something yeah. <laughs> he's like okay he's gonna go. i guess he's super in auctions later that night when they're going home and they've got pizza and apparently lorelei made a scene at the pizza place because she got charged for garlic i'm guessing she made a scene because she knew she looked beautiful and wanted everyone to look at her oh some random dude just comes running out of the backyard in the dark yeah i was like is this rune it's got to be rune right like you don't approach a woman in the dark he just shows up he's like oh hey everybody <laughs> not, <laughs> not everybody he's like oh hey i'm dwight which is a shit name. Okay. He's their new, like, what, like, kitty corner neighbor? Yeah, maybe he, like, lives behind them? I'm not sure. Well, he's very nice, but then he just, like, is talking a lot. I guess he's recently divorced, and he's got his own house that he calls the Oasis, and he's really ha- happy about it. But then Lorelai makes a mistake of saying, like, well, if you need anything, let me know. And he's like, well, actually, I have a lot of things I need. He needs her to, like, uh, water his plants while he's gone on a business meeting. His lawn. Yes. Well, both. But you're right. He says lawn at this point. Yeah, just the lawn. Like, twice a day, if you come over and she's like she kind of just like guilted into it like sure sure i can do it it's a much bigger undertaking than she expects though yeah but like this dude just like just like runs at her at night i don't know super weird i remember one time when i was in college i was with a girl like walking somewhere on campus late at night in the dark and these two guys just like came up to us in the dark and started trying to talk to us they were mormon like Mm -hmm. trying to get us to be mormon but i was like you can't just like approach women in a dark open area (laughs) yeah like women you don't know yeah To be totally fair to Dwight, he is not imposing. No, no. He's, uh, he doesn't look like an imposer. So, I mean, he's, I'll give him that. He's a rune type. Yeah, I don't think he's rude like Rune, but he's a he's like a, a variation. He's got Rune vibes. He is imposing on her. But yes. He's not. Imposing physically. He's uh, short? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I'm just trying not to focus on it and I just dance around it too much. He's got a little dick. No. <laughs> 
He's just like a lot of person. I'm like, okay, you're obviously going to be a character for a while on the show. Then we're at the auction, and we get to meet Emily's friend, Natalie, who I think is going to be a villain. I just get that vibe. She calls Emily the Cobra because she gets her way by squeezing people until they comply. Emily, like, is eating this up. She's just like, well, I don't know. This is some false modesty. I know I am. She's also eating a mouse. It's weird. Yeah, but yeah, that's Emily. Yeah, I guess the auctioneer called out sick, and she, like, cobra him into coming. Yeah. But anyway, this woman just seems like, okay, we're going to see more of you. Maybe we won't, but I feel like she's named, so I feel like we will. Yeah, maybe her and Dwight like come back in a big way. Yeah, okay. But Michelle is like, got his, he is so psyched for this. He's like, I've got a plan. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bid on stuff you want. I'm going to bid the way I want to bid. He's ready. Lorelai goes to grab a glass of wine, but there's only one glass left, and somebody else also showed up wanting wine, and it's Don fucking Draper. Baby Don Draper. Yeah, I almost did, like, I was like, is that John Hamm? I didn't see him in the credits. I, like, looked away. I mean, I knew he was in the show at some point. I didn't know it was this episode, but um, I saw his name in the credits. But he's so young in this. His teeth seem different. I feel like he's more attractive later. Yeah. But he, like, makes a joke about being King Solomon and splitting the drink, and she finds him humorous and good-natured, and... And obviously attractive because... He's John Hamm. He's John Hamm. John Hamm's an attractive man, even with weird teeth. But Emily really is smitten by this guy. Emily? Uh, yeah. It gets really weird. It's a subplot. Lorelai is smitten by this guy. And the next scene is her, like, calling the auction place and, like, trying to get the information about who this guy might be. This is actually all very funny. She's, like, making up all kinds of stories about how she knows this guy and, like, really trying to convince the person to give his name and number out. She calls him, like, her old friend Shamu? Yeah, and then they split a lottery, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they have to, like, pick up their lottery winnings by 4 p.m. today. But it's, like, nighttime. I don't understand that lie. Yeah, it was all funny, though. And Rory's, like, watching, like, loving every minute of this. Mm -hmm. Rory's like, you know, you could ask uh, Emily, Grandma, she would tell you. She wouldn't, though, because she wants him for herself. (laughs) Of course, Lorelai doesn't want to do that. She would never, ever humble herself to her mother. It's, like, the worst thing in the world for her. But then it's Friday night dinner. And we're talking about the pork a lot. Emily's not sure about the pork. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Everyone's like, the pork's fine. Emily's like, I'm not sure. But then Richard's like, that's just how pork is now. Shitty. Shut up. (laughs) By the way, you bought a bunch of useless furniture. Yeah, Richard's pretty funny. I like this, actually. This episode had a lot of things I liked about it. Specifically that Richard, like, kind of ribs Emily. But later in the episode, we realize it's good-natured because he makes it clear that he loves his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is funny that he ribs her for that. I love nothing more than filling my house with useless furniture that no one can sit on. But then Rory, like, prompts her mom to, like, ask her about the guy. So she does, and, like, Emily, like, makes her ask. Yeah. She's like, oh, this is his name. I could get his number if you want. Do you want that? Say the words. Lorelai. Yeah, it's like the genie being like, say it, Aladdin. But she's gonna figure it out for her. This is all funny. Like, Rory is just loving watching all this. Yeah. And Richard's even, like, sitting back with his glass of wine. Yeah, Emily's like, you hear that? She's asking me. He's like, oh, I, I see it. This is all fun. And um, I actually just really love Rory in this episode as just sort of almost like a bystander in most of the scenes. Just watching her react to stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the guy's name. It's Peyton. Whatever. <laughs> Peyton Sanders is a dumb name. Dwight. It's I guess no that's better than Kulak. Kulak of the Meekwok <laughs> clan. Yeah. Well, that was one dumb name in Buffy. Two if you count Buffy. All right. We're, we're even. <laughs> yeah. So the next morning, again, I don't understand how time works in this city. I really don't. They want to go to Luke's before Rory goes to school. But first, they got to go to Dwight's. It's eight. That's the title. Eight o'clock at the Oasis. Oh, yeah, you're right. So it's eight. Okay, whatever. What time is her school? I thought her school was at eight, but maybe it's 830. But that's still not time to go to Luke. I guess they could go to Luke's, grab something and leave. Maybe school's at nine. 
What time is school in Connecticut? Wisconsin, it's eight. When they get to Dwight's, there's like a letter there being like, oh, hey, can you also water my plants inside? God, this guy. Yeah. So Roy's like, we're going inside. And it is a fun house in there. It's like a tiki shack come to life. He's got all kinds of board games. Like a lot of board games. And I actually assumed that they were going to be like repeat board games that they wouldn't care. Like the shot, no one would really be like, oh, there's two Scrabbles. But yeah, actually, I think they had one of everything. <laughs> yeah, I looked at it. I was like, oh, those are all unique. Yeah, he's got a ton of board games, a ton of crazy stuff in there, like an alarm clock that just says, like, welcome to the Oasis. Is that what it says? It says eight o'clock at the Oasis. Oh, does it? But it, like, sings it. Uh, It's crazy. But while they're there... Peyton calls. At 8 a.m. Yep. A perfect time to call someone and ask him out. He's a busy man. He calls and is like, hey, do you want to go to a Bowie concert? Or less like, yeah, I would go with John Hamm to a Bowie concert. <laughs> is David great. Bowie dead now? He is dead now, yeah. So you'll never get to go to a Bowie concert with John Hamm. <sighs> I was on my bucket list. But then he was like, I guess, like, yeah, actually, let's do it sooner. You're looking great this episode. She's going to go out to dinner with him before that. She looked really good in the scene where she was on the phone trying to get his number. And she was at the table with Rory. Yes. Then we're back at the house. We are zooming ahead to date night. She's getting ready for the date. She's really worried he might not be as cute as she remembers. So she's like, hey, Rory, you might need to call and say you're sick. She opens the door, sees it's John Hamm still. And then she's like, Rory, you feel great. Uh, but apparently the the date sucks. He's like super boring. He's really into car, his own car. He talks about his own car and like doesn't really give her a chance to talk. So she hated it. She didn't hate him. She just didn't find any chemistry at all. Yeah, there's no point in seeing him again. She's not even going to pretend to like him enough to go to Bowie. She keeps stressing though in this episode that he also had a bad time. But mm-hmm. I don't know that we know that. It's unclear. I would feel like if he had a bad time, he wouldn't want a second date. Does he ask her, though? We don't see that. I guess it's maybe implied he does still ask her. Well, I wonder if we'll see the date and he'll be like, yeah, my mom's making me go. It's probably different for him to, like, rescind his offer than it is for her to be like, I actually don't want to go. Oh, I see. That's a good point. He can't just offer someone a ticket and be like, actually, no. Yeah, that's true. Where it's he's maybe giving her the out to, like, say she doesn't want to go. Right. But I also was surprised that he was a dud just because like he had the Solomon line and so he just seemed like they were setting him up to be kind of witty. I thought Lorelai had the Solomon line. No, maybe she did. It doesn't really matter though. You're right. They seem to have good chemistry. Right. Not that that could be wrong. I just felt like that scene was setting up like, oh no, this guy's witty too. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It didn't work out. She's not broken up about it, but it's more complicated than that. At the end, she gets a lamp that's supposed to be going to her mother. And they justify this later, which makes sense, is that they're both named Gilmore. They both got lamps and the person just sent them to the wrong ones. But that is also kind of confusing because they have like a code by their auction number. So anyway, it doesn't matter. This is all plot device. Also, Michelle got a bleeding bowl, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, (laughs) It's a bowl that they used to do bloodletting in. I don't know why anyone will want that, French or not, but Michelle wants it. So Lorelai returns the lamp to Emily, and Emily convinces her to stay for some coffee. That's smart. She knows her daughter loves coffee. And then she's all like, tell me all about the date. I feel a little bit like Lorelai could just open up a little bit more to her mother here, don't you? Yeah. I feel like she's being intentionally, like, too reluctant to talk about it. Too She does have to go pick up Rory, so she does have, like, an excuse. But Emily's like, you have, like, half hour. Chill. Yeah. And she's like, tell me what it is. She's like, I have nothing to tell. It's like, well, you could tell her it was boring without like being weird about it. Yeah. But then she tells her mother and her mother's like, well, I I hated this line from her mother. Not the line, but that her mother said it. Well, you're just going to have to try harder next time. Try harder. She was saying that the dude was boring. Yeah. But this is where Emily says that Peyton's mom told her that Peyton had a good time. Right. So I could see Peyton's mom exaggerating. Or maybe Peyton just 
kind of lied to his mom. That's why I'm confused about because that's why Emily knows about the Bowie date. Mm -hmm. But it's weird that there's this conflict because Lorelai makes it clear that both of them had a bad time. Yeah. But from what, how Lorelai describes the date, I don't know that it's clear to us that he had a bad time. He might have just been like, oh, wow, she loves hearing about my car. Yeah, totally. Or he had a bad time because he was like, I didn't know what to say. I got nervous and I talked about my car too much. Yeah, yeah. But I could also see the opposite of this where maybe Peyton knows the deal with dating your mom's friends and you just got to like lie about how it actually went. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he did just kind of say to his mom like, oh, yeah, it was nice. Well, Emily's pissed now because uh, Lorelai's not going to go on that date. So then we cut to Luke's. Lorelai is giving Rory a cardio salsa tape. What? I don't understand this. Neither does Rory. What? Yeah. They don't exercise that I'm aware of. This could have been anything but this. I don't understand this joke. Yeah, I don't understand it either. They just needed to be doing something, but they could have just been, you know, yelling at Kirk or whatever. It's just to give them something to, like, chew the scenery with for a second. And then Dwight calls. Now he wants to have his lawn watered a third time each day. This guy wants so fucking much from everybody. Well, he is Lorelai's future husband. Lorelai's like, Rory, I need you to do it because he's busy. Rory's like, I don't want to do it. It's like down the street. Just sit there and read. You love reading. Rory gets up and leaves. She's going to go water the lawn. Then Lorelai gets a phone call from her dad. He's going to go golfing with Peyton's dad, and he's going to sort of talk to him a little bit and see if an apology is enough. And we're all like, what the hell is going on? Apparently, Emily is going to lose some respect over this whole ordeal, and she's going to lose her, like, first chair tea time spot. Yeah. Richard just explains that his wife, Emily's like, on top in the tea pecking order. You can easily get ostracized to the lowest of the tea line if you do anything bad it seems like yeah like some woman was some kind of financial she, problem she paid something late she still paid it but she paid it kind of late and now yeah. she is the very low the lowest on the checking order and emily has risen to the top and i liked all this for a lot of reasons lorelei says to richard like this is insane this is insanity and richard's like yes i know it's crazy but it's super important to my wife. And if it's important to my wife that she be the first cup of tea, then she's gonna be the first cup of tea. Aww. And I, yeah, I liked it because like as much as Richard complains about his wife, he obviously cares about what she cares about. And like listens to her tea pegging order stories. Yeah. yeah you could tell he like doesn't want to make this phone call, but it's yeah. just like something he has to do today. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, yeah. Richard's hot and cold in this show. Sometimes they'll show him as like pretty well-meaning and then the next one he's a little child. So I don't know. But while this phone call is happening, Rory is over at Dwight's turning on the water. When she goes inside, she hears a very angry message from Dwight's wife on the answering machine. Who, by the way, is played by the harp lady. Alex Borstein? Yeah. Who's... I don't know if it's supposed to be the same character. No, because she says her name is Doris. That woman's name was Drella. I did not know this. And I don't see a lot of people talk about this. I wonder if people realize You didn't her. catch it. I m mentioned it and you were like, oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, once you said it, I was like, I would have known. People would talk about that all the I time. I thought it was, she's got a distinct voice. Yeah, and we looked it up. It's her. It's weird that they would do that, though, just because it's, she's been on the show already. Right. And you say she comes back as another character. Yeah, she's in the revival. And she's in Miss Maisel. I mean, they're clearly friends with her. Right, right, right. I just mean like it's a... I don't know. Distinctive voice. But she wants her board games. <laughs> yeah, she, those board games apparently all belong to her. It sounds like Dwight maybe ran away more so than like had an amicable divorce. Yeah. Does he have all the... It's a lot of money to buy that Oasis, I feel like. Someone's lying. Yeah. Rory goes outside to turn off the sprinkler and it like breaks. I don't... It doesn't make any sense what happened. Yeah, I, there's like a wand that operates it that seems to come apart from the water part. It seems to me very much like they were like, just pretend it's broke, Rory. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. She tries to turn it off and it just like turns on more water and then she just like melts down. She doesn't try to fix it at all. 
she, she's like, you know what I mean? She doesn't like inspect. She does get wet. Like that part sucks, but she's already soaked within like a minute. Then she tries to page Dean on her like giant Game Boy device. And I love did- that we're like old enough to remember pagers, but not what the fuck they were. <laughs> like, yeah. What, we don't know what she's doing. She's contacting Dean somehow. I don't know how you send messages via page. I know you can. I don't know how that works. Yeah. I thought a pager was just like beep, beep. And then you find a phone and call them. I think that's the original one. But then eventually I think you could like send a little message, like yeah. a text essentially. She also had that weird AOL device at the bachelorette party. So maybe it's that still. But Dean's not responding, I guess. So she just like goes hunting for any man yeah. to help her with this. Again, doesn't try to fix it at all. Immediately just starts running for any man she might run into. She literally runs into Jess. It's so frustrating because I, I actually like the scene that's coming up, but I hate that Jess just is serendipitously there and she runs into him. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it's just like too perfect, you know? Like Jess? <laughs> <laughs> like a wet Jess. <laughs> Too perfect. So she bumps into him and he's all like, hey, what's going on? Hey, aren't we friends still? Let's be cool with each other. Like, I don't know. He also, they had a huge fight last time they were interacting. Right. But he's all like, what's going on? I guess he could tell she's distressed. Yeah, I mean, she's like soaking wet. He can tell something's up. Well, he runs over to the sprinkler. He kind of finds it himself. He fixes it immediately. <laughs> like, he's like, it was loose. Probably an improvised line because there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. You just like touch it a little and then it's fine. But then this like, you better feel a certain way about this moment music starts playing. <laughs> yeah. It was weird because if you look through the window, you could see um, Willow and Xander trying on clothes. Yeah. Then they have this like heart to heart real quick. Like, how are you? What's going on? I wouldn't call it a heart to heart. She's like, how are you doing? Good. You still thinking about Harvard? Yeah. It's just like any conversation they have over the phone where they talk about nothing. I agree with you. What I said was a bit much, but considering they had been like yelling at each other not that long ago, it seems rather... Civil? Yeah, that's what a wet Jess will do. (laughs) I feel like people talk about wet Jess all the time, and I thought it would be sexier. He was, like, wearing a sweater. I think he should have been wearing a tighter shirt. Yeah. Really show off those pecs that we haven't seen for a while. Mm. Yeah, those are my thoughts. But the scene was good, though, right? Because they do have that, like, I said heart to heart, but I feel like it is sort of intimate, even though they aren't saying much. Mm -hmm. Because their barriers are down. They're being vulnerable a little bit right now with each other. And Jess sees that Rory got a message. He's like, who's that? And she's like, it's Dean. He's on his way. And then Jess, like, turns the sprinklers back on, kind of like, you know, it's like I was never here. Mm-hmm. Let him fix this for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it was like a dick. I feel like it could be read like it was a dick thing, but I was like, I'm letting him save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. Considering how confrontational Jess usually is about Dean. Agreed. But I think he's, like, come to the realization that's not going to happen. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out. But not today. Then it's Friday night dinner. Lorelai has brought wedding pictures from Suki's wedding to give to Emily as like an olive branch. And Emily just like breaks that branch in half. I don't feel like Emily's as cold as we're suggested she's supposed to be. I don't know. She just gives Lorelai a drink and like doesn't ask her what she wants. Yeah, but they do always ask her what she wants. She always wants a wine though. Yeah, I think sometimes she gets like a martini. But she does often say wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, she follows her mom into the kitchen to have, like, one of their kitchen fights. Mm-hmm. Emily is, like, fiddling with some cheese. It's way too much cheese to have before they eat dinner, by the way. As someone who just went through a cheese fest 2021. Right. It's too much cheese, guys. You're going to get sick. She apologizes to her mother. Yeah, immediately. Which is, you know, it's good. She should apologize to her mom for stuff. Kind of influenced by her dad, I think. She's like, I didn't realize, like, how important this all was mm-hmm. to you. I should have thought about how this would affect your social life. And her mom seems to, like, appreciate the apology. And then, you know, Lorelai's like, if it makes you feel better, I'll go to the concert. And Emily's like, you know, it means a lot that you said that. And as soon as she said, it means a lot that you said that, 
I knew that it wasn't, it was like worded in a way to make you think that she's not going to say you need to go to the concert. But I was like, I know Emily. She's going to make her go to that concert. She's a cobra. She's the cobra. And then she shares that cheese with her little mouse friend and then eats the mouse. (laughs) Yeah. And then she's like, wear Rory's top when you go. And she had set up earlier that she really liked Rory's top. Mm -hmm. That's the whole episode. So Stacey, what do you think of this episode? Do you think it was a good one? I mean, not really, but I did think that Jess moment was really cute. And everything with Emily was really funny. And that Richard moment was really sweet. Mm -hmm. But like the Dwight stuff was all a lot and pretty dumb. Like that was so long. And none of it really mattered except that Rory needed help with that eventually. Like, that didn't really affect the story in any way. And it took up so much of the story. Right. There's a lot of relationship stuff happening in this episode, but, like, the devices that were being used to relay that information wasn't particularly good and took up a lot of the real estate of the episode. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a bad one. It just wasn't a great one. What did you think? Yeah, I feel like this. Like everything you just said, I won't repeat it. I agree about Dwight. Dwight was way too much. But it, it had a lot of little seeds of like little beautiful moments. Richard calling, Lorelai apologizing, Dwight's board games. No, I mean, it really comes down to just that moment with Jess where he turns back on the sprinkler. I liked that a lot. But cohesively, it was kind of all over the place. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. I'm torn. I really don't know which one's better. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. Which one do you think is better? Because I feel like this one had more heart. And it also had some pretty funny lines. Uh-huh. It really did. And Buffy, I also think, was funny. Mm-hmm. Giles I, was funny. Giles was funny. I also really liked when Cordelia pretended to be the Slayer. I thought that kind of just worked out well. Mm, yeah. I think I'm going to have to give it to Gilmore. I think so, too. Again, it was it's close, but I think it's Gilmore. Immediately after we watched them, I was maybe leaning more Buffy, just because there was a lot about Gilmore Girls I didn't really like. Yeah. But the more I thought about some of those, like, cute relationship moments in Gilmore Girls, I was like, no, I think this episode maybe told us more. But also, we see this a lot, but I feel like this episode did a great job of, like, showcasing Lorelai and her daughter's relationship in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Her daughter, like, being excited slash, like, rolling her eyes a little bit of her mother being desperate to date this guy. I liked all that. Yeah, that was so funny, that scene. It wasn't just funny, though. It was, um, like, I don't know. I just liked that she was excited for her mother to, like, get past Christopher a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it was cute and funny. Yeah, I just liked that a lot. Yeah, and um, I liked a lot of what we saw in Buffy. Like, we, we did meet the mayor, and we set up that he's going to have some kind of relationship with Mr. Trick, but it's, it's sort of like a... How sometimes in Buffy, the first half of a two-parter yeah. is like, okay, we have information. The mayor is, we don't know anything about him right now other than He's maybe a compliant. germaphobe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think the, the, the actual story of Buffy was not super great. No. But there was definitely stuff I was excited to see. Yeah, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this. I do want to mention that Buffy, I feel like this season, especially this episode and Dead Man's Party, had like a can't hardly wait, like American Pie teen comedy vibe. Yeah, it's their last year of high Just school. Just some of the edits, I feel like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what, like 98 now? It's yeah, probably movies were like coming out-ish and like, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. We did it. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 6, Take the Deviled Eggs, dot, dot, dot. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 6, Band Candy. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, why didn't Joyce know about Picture Day? That's really the only question there is. I know give Joyce a lot of shit, but it's like, does she care about her daughter's life at all? (laughs) 
I mean, Emily is getting like every postcard the school her granddaughter goes to sends out. To be fair, Lorelai also doesn't really read those postcards. Yeah, Rory could definitely be a slayer and her mother would not know. That's not true. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. Are you familiar with that type of sprinkler? Is it hard to operate? Yeah, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you guys have been like, hey, I got a broke one time. I had to race throughout town until I ran into a man. Where are you at in the tea pecking order? John Hamm, hot or not this episode? Those his teeth or not? Did John Hamm have a good time on this date? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you love our podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on our upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style as our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can always send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. It's picture day. We gotta go. Oh, no. Our moms didn't tell us. Mom! Mom. Bye.